You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we get into the sixth chapter of Yom Kippur, we're going to get into the two goats, the two identical goats. One of them has already been slaughtered and its blood has been sprinkled, but the other one needs to be sent away into the wilderness. And this is really the subject of the sixth chapter. But the chapter begins just by articulating the fact that they are the same. And the Gemara will learn this out from the fact that in many, many places, the um, Torah speaks about two goats. So the Gemara will just learn out that they, they are identical goats. But the Mishnah, rather than trying to go through the drush, just says the conclusion of the drush straight off. The two goats of Yom Kippur, it's a mitzvah, that they're equal in their appearance, in their standing upness, their size, in their value, and that they should be bought at the same time. So that, that's the basically the conclusion of the drush, which the Mishnah begins. And then the Mishnah goes back on itself and says, look, Bidiyevad, you know, Bidiyevad, if in, in um, um, if it works out that way, we don't have to go that way. Even if they're not alike, they are still valid. So if they're not completely alike, the ceremony is still valid. So that's different from the order we said as we were closing the fifth chapter, that everything has to be in order. And we're saying that the goats have to be the same, but not totally the same. So if he bought one today and bought another tomorrow, they're kosher. The ceremony is kosher. And we're going to find an example here where we might actually have had to do that. So the Mishnah goes on. So what if one of them died? Clearly, if one of them dies, we're going to have to go buy another one. If one of them dies before the lot is cast, clearly we can just go and buy another pair for the second one. But what if it dies after the lot has been cast? So it sounds like this is dying on Yom Kippur morning. So this must be a very unusual occurrence. But the Mishnah is always interested in edge cases. And it's always interested in things that go wrong, right? So we've seen through the whole of the Mishnah of um, Shekalim and Pesachim that the Mishnah is very, very interested in what happens when things go wrong. So this is the goat that is going to die after the lots have been drawn. The im, Mishihi grill mate. If it's, if, if after the, it dies after the lot is cast. Yavizugacher, Viagril Alehem Batchila. So we're going to take another pair and we're going to cast lots over them again. Viyomar. And we're going to make this declaration. Im Shashemet. If the one that was labelled for Hashem died, then the one on which the lot for Hashem has fallen stands in its stead. 
met, and if the one for Azazel died, so if the one for Azazel died, the one who, who for whom the lot falls for Azazel goes in its place. So effectively we've replaced, we've chosen one goat at random from the pair to replace the dead goat. And of course we've now got a leftover goat because we, we bought two. And of course remember that the, the Torah is very specific about the fact that there are two goats and we cast, we draw lots, right? So we have to, we have to have two goats. But what are we going to do with the second one, right? Because we still got, we got, a, still got a goat left over from our first pair. So what are we going to do with the second one? So the second one is going to left, going to be left to pasture till it becomes blemished. We've, we've seen this before with different kinds. We've seen this before with other different kinds of offerings where um, an offering becomes superfluous or it becomes invalid. We can't get rid of it anyway, but we can just let it pasture until it should naturally become blemished. And then, then we can sell it. So we can sell it and its value goes for an, a voluntary offering. So in other words, once we once it becomes blemished, we sell the animal for the money. The money becomes holy. The animal becomes not holy. The animal can, we can do whatever we like with the animal, but the money then has to go to a free will offering. Because a sin offering of a congregation is not to be left to die. And there's some reference here to a sin offering of a private individual, which if it's not needed, actually is left to die. And I find that it's a it's a side reference, and I find that so disturbing. If you like, I'm just going to leave that to one side, and go on. Rabbi Yuda Omer Tamut. Rabbi Yuda actually does say the sin offering of the corrugation is left to die, and the halacha, by the way, does not go according to Rabbi Yuda. The Odomar Rabbi Yuda, and Rabbi Yuda said furthermore, Nishbachadam Yamuta Mishtaleach. If the blood somehow is, um. Let's say the blood from the one that is slaughtered is spilt before it's sprinkled. The, the one that is um, supposed to be sent away is it can't be sent away. And it, it's um, you'd have to do the whole thing again. So you're left over with a surplus goat. And Rabbi Yudah says, we just leave that one to die. And he goes on to say, if the one that was sending away dies, this is before it gets out in the wilderness, because obviously when once it gets out there, it will die. If the one that is to be sent away dies, the blood's poured away. But then that assumes that we do the whole thing again from square one. Now, the Kohen Gadol will come to the scapegoat. So assuming we've now got two alive scapegoat, he comes to the goat which is going to be sent away and he's going to press his hands on it the smicha I and mean, now we talk about smicha of rabbis which was a laying on of hands and it's but they would lay their hands on the sacrifices and this is not just resting your hands this is a heavy push you sort of push all your weight on on, on its head he presses his hands on it and he confesses 
אנא השם אבו פשו חצו לפניך עמך בית ישראל אנא בשם. Please, O Lord, Lord, they've done wrong, they've transgressed, they've sinned before you, your people, the house of Israel. Please, in the name of the Lord. And I put a dot, dot, dot here because at this point, the Kaufman manuscript stops. This is the third of the, of the confessions. So the, the circle of the confession is gradually widening. It begins with the high priest and his wife or his house. And then it goes on to the high priest and all the sons of Aaron. And then the third confession, the widest confession, is for all of the people of Israel. And the manuscript doesn't seem to find the need to write out all the rest, although it is in the printed texts. And one of the commentators says that, and this clearly refers to their printed text, that it's written out in full. The third confession is written out in full, but the first two are not. Anyway, in the Kaufman manuscript, the first one is written out in full. And the later ones are not. And this is the confession that we have in a slightly different version in our Yom Kippur Machsurim. Kaper na la'avonot velapashaim velachtraim she'avu veshafashu veshechatu lefanecha amcha beit Yisrael. Forgive the wrongdoings, the transgressions, the sins that your people, the house of Israel, have committed and transgressed and sinned before you. And then this is the same um This is the same confession we've already read twice. And the priests and the people standing in the courtyard, when they hear God's name recited, they bow down and they say, Baruch Shem Kvod Mahutoli Olam Vaed. All this is in the modern printed edition, but it's not in the Kaufman manuscript, because Kaufman expects you to know it from the first time. And then at that point, we can now hand over the goat to be sent away into the wilderness. And The Mishnah concludes, they hand, they hand, he handed it over to the person who was to lead it away. And in principle, anyone can do this. Anyone can take the goat. Anybody can, is fit to, to take it away. But the priests made a fixed rule not to permit as someone from an Israelite, i.e. someone who wasn't a Kohen or a Levi, to take it away. So the priest would have a rule that the person taking it away has to be a Kohen. And the Mishnah straight away brings back a counterexample. Amar Rabbi Yossi, Maseh v'holicho Arsala v'Yisrael haya. There was someone called Arsala who took it away and He was an Israelite. He was not a Kohen. And the Kalfan manuscript here actually has Ad Sela. And I, I, which means literally, I suppose, to the rock. I guess we translate that as it once happened. And someone who's an Israelite took it to the rock. I think we, we'd probably translate it that way. So Ad Sela for to the rock, rather than our seller as the name of a person. And I'm not sure it makes it, the, 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 the semantics are quite clear anyway, that there seemed to be one occasion when an ordinary Israelite was able to take it away, but generally the Kohanim made a, a Kohen take it away. And then in the next few Mishnayot, we'll find out exactly how it was taken away and how it was carried through the desert 
to the, it has to be taken to Eretz Gezerah, to a cut-off place. How they take it to this cut-off place where it's going to meet its end. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.